0: This is, um, this is week two of a four-week series that we're in, and, and often on Sunday mornings and part of the sermon time, what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a passage of Scripture and we'll open it up and we'll drill down on it and we'll talk about um, um, how it helps us to live who we ought to be and what we ought to be doing. But oftentimes, we know the Scripture Oftentimes we, we know the scripture, we know what we ought to be doing, and we know uh, uh, how we ought to be living. The the disconnect for us becomes in actually how to go about doing what we ought to be doing. And and that's the purpose of our four-week series. We're going to look at a couple scriptures today, but but we're intending in this series to to, to give us some, some very practical how-tos, to, to look at, at at a bunch of scriptures that lead us to believe that we are a people who are supposed to live out our faith, not just live it within these walls, but to live out our faith in, in how we treat each other and how we live and, and in all those that come before us so that we might lead others around us to faith themselves. Now, I, I don't know about you, but this past week I've had in my mind, because of last Sunday, the... the Just walk across the room. I've been thinking about the circle of comfort that I find myself in. And and then I think about the, the zone of the unknown. So I've been kind of thinking about people all week long. And uh, some of you have told me, told me the same thing. It was especially true yesterday at the Day of Hope and, and when you're in the prayer tent and all these people are coming in and you're thinking, okay, Lord, are you, are you tapping me on the shoulder? Or, or is, this, is this what I'm supposed to do? Or, or what am I supposed to do, God, in the midst of all of this? Or uh, It happens in all kinds of places. But, but you remember that the part of what we talked about, the, the point of being obedient to the tapping of God on our shoulder is not necessarily so that the first person that you reach out to just comes to a glorious conversion of faith. That's That's God's thing. That's the Holy Spirit's thing. Our part is are we obedient when God taps you on the shoulder and says, I have something for you to do. You see, because when you become a walk-across-the-room kind of person, most likely you will be a person who will show people who are far from God what it means to be a person of faith. And the reason we point people to faith is because that's the heartbeat of God. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... So that you and I might have life. So let's dive into that. Last week, if you recall, we talked about you left here saying with, with the call, just walk. Just get out of the comfort. Take it take a chance. Step out of that comfort zone and walk. And so and if we're going to be a person who shares this greatest gift, because again, we're a people who have received the greatest gift in all of history, but we're kind of secret agents at it a lot of times, you know? If we're going to be a people who, who, who live that gift out in front of other people, we have to take some steps. First, be willing to enter the zone of the unknown by leaving the circles of comfort. And if you weren't here last week, there were circles on the board and, um, and, and you know there was a circle of where we find ourselves and we need to be a people who walk out of that, engaging someone who might need a touch from God. Second, to listen to the Spirit's promptings by choosing to rely on His guidance and not ours. And third, just walk. Just do it. Because Jesus took a cosmic walk for us. I, I, I want to spend a few moments and as we continue in this journey over four weeks to talk about what happens after you decide to just walk. In other words, what should you be thinking about? What should you be praying about? What, is it, what does it look like once you leave that circle of comfort? Because, you know, if you're like me, it's one thing to agree to walk and listen to the Spirit where He's calling you to go. It's another thing to figure out what you're going to do when you get there, valid questions, if I make the decision to walk across the room, to listen to, to God's spirit prompting me to have a conversation with someone, then what should I be thinking about? What should I pray about? What should I say? This week, we're going to be exploring what it means to live in 3D. Now, 3D is a, is a framework of operating inside the zone of the unknown. You remember the zone of the unknown is where it's not up to us. It really, it really is up to the leading of God. And you can imagine this 3D living involves 3Ds. You're a smart group with that. So first, walk across the room, people, are those who live 3D first by developing friendships. That's what that says there. Develop friendships. If we're going to reflect the Father's heart as individuals or as a church, then we've got to be in continuous search mode. We've got to make a habit of what it means to... To uh, look for friendships out on the horizon, to see in the ways that God sees things. Now, if you're a person who, who has a phone like this, that gets Wi-Fi, and statistics tell me that most people in this room do, now, John, you don't have to listen for a moment, so you can just tune out for just a second, but for, for those of us who have phones who hook into hotspots or Wi-Fi around it. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Sometimes I'll leave my Wi-Fi on and I'll be driving around the city and all of a sudden these different hotspots start popping up on my phone that I can plug into, you know, like Joe's house and FBI surveillance uh, van and, and all these different places that start to come up. And I don't even think about it, but, but it's, it's constantly in this search mode. See, I think that that's what God's call in our life is. I, I think that God is placing all kinds of zones, all kinds of people in our way that we either just don't see because we're not in search mode or, or just because we've become people who are comfortable. I think the great dynamic of the circle of comfort that we talked about last week is just that, it's, it's comfortable. For almost all of us have some people that we love, Maybe a spouse or, or a friend or kids or friends at, at church or at work. When we see them, we, 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 uh, our initial reaction in seeing them is love. is, is blessing towards them. We, we crave more time with them. We're filled with joy when the people come to mind. And it's true. Almost every human being has someone they love towards. But here's the place that's not so easy to admit. While most human beings have a loving heart towards someone... Almost every human being has a secret list of people they can't stand. It might be an individual. It might be a whole group of people. We don't talk about that very often, in, especially in mixed company and especially in church, because it's uncomfortable. That, that Some of us have lists at some points in our life, lists that, uh, that, that we'd like to put the people on that list on a boat and just move them out to sea somewhere and not think about them anymore. Ask me to love somebody outside of my comfort zone. I can do that. As long as they meet the specific criteria of what's comfortable with me. Do you remember the, the trifecta of Jesus' parables? It's in Luke 15. These three parables. Luke 15 happens to be probably one of my most famous chapters in all of the Bible. It's, it's three parables Jesus tells back to back. the lost coin, or The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son is the order he tells them in. Luke 15 finds Jesus in, in this marketplace kind of setting. He's having conversations. But the conversations with the people he's having, they are irreligious people, people who are really far from God the Father. They are people who have made mistakes. They are people who have painted outside the lines. They are people who, who use terrible language, have drank too much, have slept in the wrong bed, who have cheated on uh, money out of, of folks that they have dealt with in business. The list goes on and on. And here's Jesus. Jesus is right there intersecting with them and talking and listening and fellowshipping with them. And the scene plays out. These religious leaders, the the scribes and the Pharisees, they see what's taking place and they are troubled, which is a biblical way of saying they've got wrinkles in their shorts, I think. I don't know why I said that. I just did. It's more than that. It was utterly scandalous. It was beyond anything that could be described. Because Jesus is interacting with the exact people that's on their list. The people they want to put on the boat and shove out to sea. The people on their list, the Pharisees, those people, those people that had turned their back on God so much, they were on the hate list of the Pharisees, and Jesus is hanging out with them. And somewhere along the way, they they, they have convinced themselves, they've convinced themselves that God's heart is mirrors their heart. God's heart must look like their heart. There are people that God blesses and then there are people that God wants to put on a boat and send out to sea. And these are those people, immoral, ungodly in so many ways. They hated them. They wished evil on them. And soon enough, Jesus hears the grumbling. He picks up on what's taking place and he looks into their hearts and he springs into action and he tells probably three of the most famous parables of all time. One right after another. First, the lost sheep. Second, the lost coin. Third, the wayward boy. He starts big. 100 sheep. 10 coins. One son. You might know the stories. First, there's 100 sheep. And and one of the sheep, you know, there is always one in every crowd. One of the sheep wanders off. He's creating a hassle. He gets himself lost. There are ten coins. One of the coins has been misplaced. There is one son, a son who goes to his father and, and asks for his inheritance. And, and, and you might remember from studying that passage that in that culture, to go to your father and say that was, was to say to them, Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, you're dead to me. I'd like my money, please. And what did he do with his money? We're told that he goes to a foreign land and he gambles it away with wine, women, and song. I'm so glad that we don't struggle with those kind of issues today. Of being lost or wandering away or squandering the resources that God has given us. Three stories. They're interesting stories of Luke 15. I I imagine that most of the Pharisees who were there and who were listening to Jesus tell the story, they had something totally else on their mind. I imagine a portion of them were not even listening to him at all. But I imagine some of them just, the story went right over their head. Didn't even pay attention. But I like to put myself in the scripture of that story. And I, and I like to think that, that there, must have been, there must have been one. There must have been one Pharisee who was there, who, who, who heard the stories and, and couldn't shake Jesus' words. And he wondered, what, what were these stories about? And, and when he walked through the marketplace, he remembered his interaction with Jesus. And, and as he sat by the campfire at night, he, he wondered about these stories. And he's sitting there reviewing them. And, and there's the lost sheep and there's the lost coin and there's the wayward son. What, what does he mean? And when I picture him, I think of the little light bulb that goes on, and he says, wait a minute, there was something missing. Each one of them was something missing. And then I picture the Pharisee thinking about it and and waiting another minute, and maybe maybe it goes something like this. The light comes on a little brighter, and he says, everything that was missing mattered to somebody. The lost sheep mattered to the shepherd. The lost coin mattered to the woman. She'd lost one out of ten coins. Ten percent of her estate was gone. And we know the father missed the son. It mattered to him. Three stories. A picture of the Pharisee just sitting by the fire when all of a sudden the big light bulb goes on. And his face drops and he says, Oh, no, 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 no. It can't be. Maybe, maybe God's heart doesn't look like my heart. Maybe God's heart is different. Could it be? Could it be that Jesus was saying that the Father's heart is indiscriminately loving? That Jesus was saying of all of those irreligious, immoral, profane individuals that He was talking to, that Jesus was saying that they actually mattered to the Father, that they were actually worth seeking after, they were actually worth going after, and and, and could it be that they're not on God's list on the boat to just put out to sea, but they're on the list the people that he loves. See, developing a friendship means acting on an attitude and taking a heart posture that says, I'm open to you. I'm open to where you've been. I I want to journey with you. Do you realize that you, you're never going to make that kind of relationship with somebody if you look at them and say, You know what, <laughs> you're just you're lucky, I'm talking to you, you hellbound person. <laughs> or if we look at their life or we look at the things, unless we come and can see with the Luke fifteen eyes. That they are people who are worthy of the Father's love. That they are worthy of being sought after. That they are worthy of getting down on your knees and and looking for. That's when you make the kind of relationships that make a difference for the kingdom. Developing friendships. Taking the character of the one who lost something in Jesus' parable. That's where 3D living has got to begin. Once you're willing to review every step that you take, every interaction you have as perhaps a, a place in which God might be glorified. And how would that change your life? How would it change my life? If every step that I took, every interaction I had with somebody could be an open door for God to be glorified. That would change how I go to Walmart. That would change a lot of things. If every interaction I had had the possibility of God being glorified in the midst of it and hearing the stories of people and where they find themselves. You see, walk-across-the-room people are people who live in 3D. They're constantly watching for ways to develop friendships in order that they might discover stories. Let me tell you two stories of people that I'm walking across the room for in my life right now. There is a there's a waitress in town that serves me breakfast almost every Thursday morning. She has for a few years now. I, I keep asking parts of her story. I... I know about her five kids. I know about her husband working in North Dakota and then working at home and then working in North Dakota and working at home. I know about the death of her grandparents. I know um, over time when, when there have been needs and, and she's allowed us to pray for her. When her car was broken down a couple times over the last few years, Jamie and I have given her money in order to get the car back on the road so that she can work. When she had her most recent baby, we gave a little extra gift to her and Christmas gifts um, of cash as well. I see her other times when I eat breakfast, not just with my Thursday morning men's prayer group. And when I do and I'm alone, I can drill down and ask some deeper questions. She knows what I do. She has served our family uh, meals. She knows where my kids go to school and the kind of sports that they play. She's on my list of someone I want to keep walking towards. There's a man who, who helps us uh, at our house with our, our lawn care for the last few years. His truck has, a uh, little truck, has uh, almost 300,000 miles on it. He lives on a farm that used to be he and his wife, so I guess it still is, but she left him years ago. There were many years he didn't even know where she was. And he did his best to try to make ends meet. He's been trying, he's still trying to do that now. He he takes the grass clippings from my yard and that's how he feeds his cows in the summer, his his fence is always needing mended and the cows are always out. I would say he's probably 68, but he looks to be 86. And through the years, he's had family pass away a couple of different times and he's gone back east to their funerals and uh, we've talked about the services. He is He's a man who, it appears now that his health is failing fairly rapidly. We've noticed that now this year he has to stop multiple times as he's working in the yard or mowing the lawn and... And uh, I'm always trying to engage him in conversation. Um, He works at some other homes in in, uh, our neighborhood as well. And so I try to even stop when I see him alongside the road. I figure the neighbor's paying his hourly rate. I can talk as long as I'd like uh, at that point. But um, he knows what I do. He has no interest in church. With his newest health issue, it has become clear to me, because I know his story, uh, I've got to have a deeper conversation with him, because if I don't, no one else is going to. He's on my list of the list I'm going to ask you to make, the list of next steps of what I must do. One of you this week told me about someone in your workplace that you've been walking across the room with for months. And in the, the discovering of their story and hearing their story, discovered our church member discovered that, that eight people in our church have crossed his path through the years and spoken graciously and lovingly into his life. Eight people. You think God might be up to something there? I, I, in fact, I think the, the banner has already been written with, the, with his name on it. And is just waiting to be unfurled when he crosses the line of faith. Another one of our members told me this week that she was out uh, walking her dog in, in her neighborhood, saw her neighbor across the way, and and, and um, kept thinking of last Sunday, walk across the room, walk, walk across the street is the same, walk across the street. And, and so she went over to see her neighbor. She knows her neighbor's story. Her neighbor's not interested in church. Her, her neighbor has no interest in church, and yet... She remembered to walk across, and so she went over and began a conversation. She knew inviting her to church wasn't going to get anywhere at this point in her life, and so she invited her to a community event, and the neighbor said yes. I think the interesting thing about all that is I bet 95% of the people that will be there will be followers of Jesus. I'll be there as well, and I hope I get to meet her. See, the intertwining of these two Ds it's so critical. Your goal in mind should be to engage folks around us, developing friendships so that we can have a baseline of, of friendship, a place to begin to ask questions, to understand, to, to hear stories. And people are willing to share their story. Harley and I discovered that yesterday in the prayer tent. It was just amazing to me. Over and over again, as, as, as we would you know, talk first about life and, and who we are and what they got, and, and then we would get to the place of being able to ask, is there a way that we can be praying for you? And people would just pour out their stories. Oh, my daughter's got this problem. My husband's got this problem. I've got this housing issue. I've got this and that. Wanting to tell their story. People, I think, often want to tell. It's just that so few people are asking the important questions. And I think when that opens up, it allows us to have some conversations about the God who's made a difference in our lives. And I would just say to you, seriously, try it strike up a relationship with one who is walking away from the Father. Hang out with them. Start praying that God would give you an opportunity to have a spiritual conversation about the work that He's done in your life. Discovering people's stories who are far from God might also be people who are one prayer away from finding God. Be the one person in the world who takes a genuine interest in their story. And what if you saw them through Luke 15 kind of eyes? with the same fervor of the one who seeks after that which is lost. It leads us to the third D, to close up our time. If you're in a small group session this week uh, in this material, or perhaps on Wednesday night, you, you might discover the phrase, uh, divine forks in the road. Divine forks in the road are simply an intersection that we come to in our life. In fact, we come, I think we come probably way more often than we realize we do. They're those intersections in which we get to decide... Are we going to do what God is calling us to do, the opportunity he's given us, or are we going to do something else? There's no real gray area. Those are the choices. We come to those moments. Are we going to follow after the tapping of God on our heart, or are we not? My prayer for us is that God gives us more of those divine intersections that we recognize, and that we would take the path that would engage people and would invest in people, that would stick ourselves out and and maybe maybe even put us in a place that will cost us time and talent and resource in order to invest in Luke 15 kind of ways that are so passionate about those that are lost. There's no telling the joy that awaits if we would listen, I think, more closely, if the Wi-Fi of our life might just be a little more tuned in. That leads us to the third point. 3D living is developing friendships. It's discovering stories, and it's discerning appropriate next steps. For once you have risked getting out of the comfort zone and walked into the zone of the unknown and, and are beginning to engage in a person's journey, the best thing you can do is be open and listening to the Spirit. Lord, what would you have me say? Where would you have me speak in the midst of this for creative ideas and wisdom? You see, I, I, I'm convinced that for we as believers, this is the place we get stuck most often. This is the place that hangs us up. We, we might take the step of getting out of comfort zone. We might begin to develop friendships. We might even begin to, to hear the stories, but, but we're just not sure where to go with that to discern what the next step might be. We get to the place where where I think the angels have prepared the banner. We get to the place where we see the lost sheep. We spot the lost coin. We find the lost son. But we never can quite figure out how to bring them home. What if you were to make the list that I talked about earlier just a few minutes ago? What if you were to make a list this week of two things? Two things. Two next steps that you could take to, bring so, to know someone that you that you care about, to bring them an inch closer to the God who created them. What if you begin to pray? Lord, show me some tangible ways, some tangible next steps, that if I really prayed, I think if I really prayed that, God, God would answer that prayer. And what if I wrote it down and I put it on my refrigerator or I put it in the bathroom or I put it on my desk, I put it somewhere where I'm going to see it? Because here's the deal. We have so many good intentions. I think every one of us in here say, yeah, that's a good idea. But unless we take the step of doing it, we never get it done. We come back next week and we go, that's right, I needed to do something to move somebody one inch closer. What if our homework assignment for the week was, we are going to do two things. We are going to make a list. We're going to say, I am purposely going to step one inch closer to bringing somebody one inch closer to the God who created them. Mark chapter 3 has an interesting story. It's, it's of Jesus and, and a man with a withered hand. The text says that Jesus was getting ready to teach in the temple. And he's, uh, he's teaching there in the temple. And one day the, the Pharisees uh, have an idea. The Pharisees are always trying to trip Jesus up in the work that he does. And they're always trying to catch him in some way, get him in trouble. Well, today's idea was they were going to try to, to catch him in a, in a Sabbath infraction. You know, on the Sabbath you, you couldn't work, you, you couldn't labor in any way and that included healing people and so the Pharisees went out and and they grabbed this poor guy with a withered hand and they drag him into the temple and they they put him in front of Jesus you see the Pharisees are fishing and the man with the withered hand is the bait and Jesus sees what they're up to and he can't believe it Not, not that they would just try to trick him but that they would be so tied in to their rigid laws rather than looking at the love of the person who stands in front of them You can read the story. In fact, I encourage you, read it this week in Mark chapter 3. But essentially, Jesus makes no apologies. He brings the man with the withered hand to him and he heals him. And if there's one thing that I think that I could leave you with today, it's this. You have the profound privilege of reaching the people who are around you With the same radical love and irrepressible acceptance that Jesus himself has and showed. And in fact the same radical love and irrepressible acceptance that was extended to you at some point along the way. At some point along the way somebody gathered around and took two next steps with you so that you might move an inch closer to God. And here's what I want you to remember. In the day-to-day-ness of our lives there are withered parts of people that are all around us. People with withered hearts and withered minds and withered bodies. Withered dreams and withered energy and withered hope. And I just wonder I just wonder if it'd be part of God's plan. In fact that's not even true. I don't wonder that. I know. I know that it's part of God's plan that you and I could go out and love into the withered parts of the people who are around us. And in fact that we could do it before we even come back here next week. That it just doesn't become a goal that says yeah that's a great idea. But it becomes steps that we take in very practical ways. Very Luke 15 kind of ways that say, I am going to live and love into the withered parts of the people who are around me. A new week is unfolding. Whenever a new week unfolds, we face the choice. That fork in the road. We either are going to do that which glorifies us or we're going to do that which glorifies God. And we get to make the choice. And so here's my challenge to you and me for this week. Let's commit to be people who live deeper in, in the 3D, to develop friendships with all kinds of people in all kinds of ways, and to see people with the same Luke 15 eyes that God looks at them, to discover their stories. People are anxious to, to tell you the stories of their life if you will build a relationship with them and listen to them, ask them questions, and discern the next steps. Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? To take one step closer to them so that they take one step closer to you. This week, let's let's just decide. We're going to write down a couple things. We're going to come up with a couple things that listen to the Spirit's prompting so that we might build bridges of friendship with those that are around us. Your earnest prayer, lead me, Holy Spirit, may not lead you to wild encounters. Or it might. But wherever it takes you, if you choose to be obedient to God's leading, I think that you'll look back on this week and say, that was a week well lived. If in this week, we might begin to open up our eyes and to turn on the Wi-Fi of our spirit and begin to look with the eyes of Luke 15, that all around us are people who are on God's list, that He loves, and that He sent His Son for. May we be a people who see with his eyes and hear with his ears. Would you stand?